You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul begins his exegesis of Genesis chapter 2 with an important reminder that chapter and verse numbers, a convenience for contemporary students of the Bible, are not part of the original text. At the start of chapter 2, at the completion of the heavens and the earth, Father Paul explains how the author stresses and intends to remind us that nothing happens except by the will of God who completed the work that he had done on the seventh day. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on Tarazi Tuesdays, the Bible as Literature podcast. Just to wrap up, because we're going to meet again uh, the human being or the individual Adam in chapter 2, is stress again and again. I would never be tired of repeating this, especially to the Western mind, that the biblical premise for the world it is dealing with is definitely not anthropocentric. Man is not the center of everything. And actually, he is the great calamity for everything else. But we spoke enough. But again, you know how the people, especially the Greco-Roman fathers, you know, jumped on the opportunity to establish Plato, that the human being was in the image. I mean, listen how we Orthodox speak about Genesis 1. We just go direct to the image and likeness of God, and we talk again and again and again about it. When actually, once more, the land mammals and the human being were created on the same day with one blessing, and then at the end, they both share the vegetation of the earth. Man is put in a position of responsibility just as the king. Remember, the king is human in the Bible. He's divine only in his position, as in Isaiah and Psalm 45, not per se or in se philosophically. We need to repeat that. I mean, I'm going to stop myself, but all of you who are hearing me, make sure to repeat this and to point to the Bible. And when I say the Bible, I mean the biblical text, not the patristic footnotes. You know, how modern scholarship, I mean, not modern scholarship, is fake because they want you always to quote the others. They go directly to your bibliography at the end to see what you have read and so It's repetitious, and it's anti-biblical. Now, everything was very good at the end of the sixth day after God established this symbiosis between human, animal, and vegetation. And chapter 2, and remember, we didn't have chapters then and verses. The text continues. Very important to remember that. But nowadays, it helps to point where the text is. But please remember that we don't have chapters, 
the first block of the Bible is the Toledot of the heavens and the earth, which is chapter 1 through 4. And we're going to meet it here. Let's go for the text. Thus, the heavens and the earth, notice he goes back to that same terminology of 1-1. It's the totality. Again, it's mainly the earth, but the heavens are involved because of the rain and the sun and the moon and the stars. Okay, But indirectly. Why? Because once more, the heavens are the domain of God. The human being is on earth. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Okay. The host is Seba, the plural Sebaot, the powers and so on, which means that all the constituents of the heavens and the earth so that we won't spend too much time on that. Very important is the repetition of this finished or completed, whatever you want to say in English. The verb in Hebrew is from which we have the same root kol, which is all, everything. And the verb is kala. K and an L and a H, which is not pronounced. But the importance here, which I want to stress, that it is repeated. That they were finished in the passive and then at the beginning of two and finished God on the seventh day. And God finished, did. So the author is stressing the fact as he did earlier in his own way by saying that the earth produced, but it produced because God made her produce. So let's remember this, that the author wants to say that nothing happens except by the will of God, Okay, which is ominous when we think that every day, at least once, we have to say the Lord's Prayer and we state, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see how Matthew is magisterial. Okay, so it is God that completed, ended, finished his work that he has done, Asa, on the seventh day. Now, notice, verse 1 says that everything was done already in conjunction with the sixth day. <laughs> so God did not do anything on Saturday, actually. The text says, and he rested, which in Hebrew is Yishbat, which is from the same root as Shabbat, Sabbath later. We'll talk about that. It's the same root, but please let us remember already now, and I'll discuss it later, that the word Sabbath does not exist in this passage of Genesis. The Sabbath will appear later in the law. Very important. So let's not play games about these things that the Sabbath was established already the seventh day. You can't do that with the biblical text.
the root is the same and the author would be playing on that and then he will connect it with the rest of the Sabbath and the rest of God. But all this, we have to wait for it because on that day, God, according to the law, will do another kind of work. He will be talking with his lips, this time as a law to you. And we're going to have already the foretaste when he gives the first commandment to the human being. So the connection is magisterial, but please let us not immediately fall in the trap and do these jumps that we love to do in theology. We hit a word and then we cover its use in the entire Bible. And then we write a topical book. And you know my aversion against anything topical. Like when I'm invited to a parish, they want me to speak about the church in the New Testament. I'll just take 1 Corinthians and talk about it. Very important. So what is happening here is that that seventh day is connected with the sixth. It is as though God on the seventh day rests from the work he has done on the sixth day. Okay, there is an interconnection which is anchored in the repetition of the same verb in conjunction with the sixth day in the passive regarding that everything was done. And in verse 2, where we have God that finished this on the seventh day. And he rested from all his work. One more time, the word work is repeated. Let's hear it. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh from all his work. Okay, we have a word in Hebrew. We don't need to mention it, just the work which he had done. One more time, the repetition is underlining in a society where people heard the word and not read it the way we do with our own eyes today. You have one text that is read aloud and the others hear it. You know, they didn't have <laughs> the tricks that modern speakers say, you know, how they do in front of the camera quote-unquote, with two fingers of each hand and so on. You don't have that. The repetition twice is there. And then comes the important thing, which already is planting the seed for the discussion of the Sabbath later in the law, where we have that verb of blessing. And God blessed the seventh day, which is very interesting. Until now, he had blessed living creatures. Now he blesses the seventh day and very important with the addition. And he hallowed it. He made it holy. Kiddesh, powerful verb. So once more, I'm not saying that the author who is writing Genesis 2 is not aware of the Sabbath. It's ridiculous because it's the same group that wrote the Bible. But still, the Sabbath, very powerfully, is established specifically in conjunction with the law.
So that's the richness of the text. So we have pointers, because remember, if you're hearing for the first time the text, until now, you have not met the word Shabbat. It's like earlier when I told you, in the beginning, God, Elohim. What's Elohim? You don't know. You have to wait and see what the Bible is going to do with it. Here we have the same thing. You have not heard the word Sabbath. So you can't use it and make it up. You're hearing only the blessing of the seventh day on which God rested. That's all you have. It's like Lego pieces or Ikea pieces. You have to wait to follow the instructions. And remember, the Bible is the book of instructions. So we have the blessing that is connected. So we have a special blessing. He made it holy. And the reason is given, which is going to be given in the law. Let me take a shortcut here. In the law, we have two reasons for the Sabbath. One that God rested, and in the other text, is that because I took you out of Egypt, okay, in order to receive the law. But please, let's not discuss this even when you ask me at the end about the Sabbath in the law. I'm not talking about that. He rested from all his work. Third time he is mentioning it, which means everything is done already. Okay. So what happens technically on that day? Why is it holy? Later we shall hear because God will be speaking directly to you with specific commands. And we're going to have the foretaste in a few verses in Genesis. So again, I mean, Genesis is right there. I said it in the book and I repeated it on many podcasts that from one to four, we have everything that the Bible will expand upon. Because in it, he rested from all his work, which, and here we have suddenly the mention of the verb bara, create which he used in chapter one. God, in order to make it, I'm reading the Hebrew. So here, very clearly, we have a direct connection between these two verbs. That's why the Septuagint didn't have any problem to connect them earlier in chapter one by translating both bara and asa from the verb pio, a piece, and he did. Okay, you see how my theory that it is the original authors that translated into Greek is supported by the text itself, but again, with the invitation as we have it clearly in the prologue to Sirach, we have this interconnection between bara and asa directly in the original. Okay, in English you have rested from all 
the work he had done in creation. You see how the English has to go around to include these two verbs. So we have to do or to make and then to create. But the original is very powerful because it links the two verbs in an integral way. He has finished in order to do them. He has finished to create them by doing. So to the ear, to the ear, you know, I'm putting too much time to explain these things to my hearers, but I hope that they will get the real thing in my presentation that ultimately hearing a literary text needs also feel. Notice, I'm not saying feelings. I differentiate between these two things. You know, how you think about something and you get at the end the feel, the scoop. So this is how literature functions. Let me take an aside. Like at the beginning, it took me time to figure out what everybody in America understood. Beat around the bush. Beat around the bush does not mean beat around the bush. It's a compact totality. And that's what we have in the original Hebrew. Okay? He has got created in order to do them. His action of creation and doing are interconnected. And when you hear it just simply, and the people understood that, the way, uh, you know, Americans understand, beat around the bush. The other one, which took my heart out to understand the first time someone told me, okay, let's hit the road. You know, I asked another one why they are going to hit the road. Funny. Well, that's the way it is. Why should one hit the road? So hit the road is an entirety. So anytime I have the opportunity, because this is what the podcasts are all about, to go in detail. And you remember in the intro, I made a big deal about the language and the grammar and so on. And here we see how we need them. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.